In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. We know that in the hymns of our church, we constantly hear these words, that the Father chose you, the Holy Spirit overshadowed you, and the Son condescended to take flesh from you. And especially if you attend the praises of Kiak, you hear this over and over and over again throughout the service. Right? Now, why did the Father choose her? Why did the Father choose St. Mary? If you look at the psalm that we just prayed for the gospel, and I know typically that's not the focus in our attention, but the psalm tells us a lot. We see in the psalm, David says, Hear, O daughter, and see, incline your ear, forget your own people and your father's house, because the Lord has desired your beauty. Because the Lord has desired your beauty. For He is your Lord. Now, If you think about the way that we choose certain things in our life, sometimes we choose things because we desire them, whereas other times we choose things just because of the circumstances. For example, if you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, you're going to walk through the line and you're going to choose the type of food that you want because of what you desire. Maybe you desire some chicken or you desire some rice or you desire some steak or whatever, that's what you're going to choose. It's different than, for example, let's say you're going to choose a certain diet to follow. You go to the doctor and he tells you, hey, your blood glucose level is a little high, so you need to go on a diet. And then you're going to go through your research, okay, am I going to do like the Atkins diet or the paleo diet or the, I don't know, Weight Watchers, whatever you're going to do, because the circumstances force you to choose a certain diet to follow. It's not necessarily because you desire to cut the carbs. It's not because you desire to go without a certain type of food. It's not because you desire to sacrifice all the sweets and the desserts in your diet. right? But the reason God chose St. Mary is because He desired her. The king has desired your beauty, for he is your Lord. Now, we know that it was because of her beauty and her purity that he desired her. What attracted God to St. Mary was this purity in her heart. But nevertheless, it was God who desired her. Now, it's easy to say, okay, that's St. Mary. God desired St. Mary because of her holiness. But... God desires everyone. He desires every single one of us. Every single soul in the entire human race is desired by God. St. John Chrysostom puts it in the most radical way. Okay, listen to this. He says, He who was great and powerful desired a harlot. A harlot, a prostitute. He who is great and powerful desired a harlot. He himself comes to the harlot and is not ashamed. He comes to her secret dwelling place. He beholds her in her drunkenness. That harlot is humanity because we rebelled against God. We turned our back against Him. Right? We indulged in our lusts and our sinfulness. Nevertheless, God still desired every single human being, and chases after every single human being. And again, that's a strange concept, because to say that God desires us, or that God needs us, almost puts this sort of dependence on God. 
Right? To say God needs me or desires me is such a bold statement. But that's the truth. God sent Gabriel to St. Mary to say, Hey, God needs you. He has a certain mission for you. He has a certain path for you to walk. Think about whenever the Lord was entering into Jerusalem in Palm Sunday. He sent two of his disciples to go and retrieve a donkey. And he knew that the donkey is going to be tied. And he gives them this little argument to make whenever people question why they want a donkey. What does he tell them to say to the people whenever they resist or, or they don't let them take this donkey? The Lord has need of it. The Lord needs this donkey. <laughs> as strange as it sounds, Christ needs this donkey. He needs this coal. Yes, Christ has needs. He hungers for us. He thirsts for us. He needs us. Not because God is dependent on us. Not because God is limited. No, He needs us because of His desire for us. Because of His love for us. He can do anything He wants without us. He's God. He's omnipotent. right? He's not bound by circumstances. If we refuse to follow His will, He'll still accomplish His will. He's God. Nevertheless, He still needs us. Remember, whenever He was going to Galilee, from Judea to Galilee, in John chapter 4, He needed to make a stop. Right? And in John 4, 4, He says, But He needed to go through Samaria. Why? Because He needed to visit someone. He needed to encounter the Samaritan woman. He needed to quench her thirst. He needed to give her salvation. Right? God needs us because He needs to have that relationship for, with us. He needs to use us. In John 15, Christ identifies as the true vine. And of course, we are what? The branches. So who needs who? Do the branches need the vine or do the vine need the branches? Of course we say it's the branches that need the vine. right? Because if the branches are disconnected from the vine, which is that main stem, the branches are dead. But just as the branches need the vine to bear fruit, the vine also needs the branches in order to bear fruit. So... Father Anthony Kinieras explains it. He says, We know that the branches need the vine, but the opposite is also true. Just as the branch needs the vine, so the vine needs the branches. Without the branches, the vine has no way of bearing fruit. Just as the vine bears fruit only through its branches, so Christ has chosen to work in the world through us. We are His hands, His eyes, His ears, His feet, His mouth. We are the branches through which the vine must bear fruit. So Christ is coming to every single one of us today and He says, I need you. I desire you. Not because I'm limited. Not because there's no way of accomplishing my will through someone else. But because I love you and I want to work through you. And I want to use the talents and the abilities and the gifts that I gave you to expand my kingdom. To shine my light. And ultimately that's for our benefit. Right? Remember when Christ 
cried out on the cross, I thirst. How did the fathers understand these words? Was it just a matter of physical thirst? No. He thirsted for us. He thirsted for our souls. Mother Teresa has a beautiful meditation, a little poem on these words when Christ says, I thirst. I'll share with you this poem. She says, I thirst for you. Right? Speaking on behalf of Christ, I thirst for you. Yes, that's the only way to even begin to describe my love for you. I thirst for you. I thirst to love you and to be loved by you. So precious are you to me that I thirst for you. Come to me and I'll fill your heart and heal your wounds. I'll make you a new creation and give you peace even in your trials. I thirst for you. Come to me without delay. Because when you give me your sins, you give me the joy of being your Savior. There's nothing I cannot forgive and heal. So come now and unburden your soul. No matter how far you've strayed without a destination, no matter how often you've forgotten me, no matter how many crosses you bear in this life, I want you to always remember one thing that will never change. I thirst for you just as you are. You don't need to change to believe in my love. For it will be your confidence in that love that will make you change. You forget me and yet, I am seeking you every moment of the day, standing before the doors of your heart and calling. Do you find this difficult to believe? If so, look at the cross and look at my heart that was pierced for you. Have you not understood my cross? Then listen again to the words I spoke there, for they tell you clearly why I endured all of this. I thirst. Yes, I thirst for you. So God thirsts for us. He thirsts for our souls. He thirsts for our love. He thirsts for our presence. And He thirsts for us. He desires us. Not because He's dependent on us. He needs us because it benefits us to be needed by God. We are the ones who need to need God. We are the ones who need to desire Him. So, He desires us. He needs us for our own sake. Remember in the Gorian liturgy we say, You had no need of my servitude, but rather what? I had need of your Lordship. I needed to serve you. I needed you to be my Lord. Right? God grabs a hold of us and uses us for our own benefit. C.S. Lewis says, His compulsion is our liberation. His compulsion is our liberation. He compels us, He draws us, He grabs a hold of us only to liberate us. And that's what we desire, for God to grab a hold of us, to truly love us. And I love the prayer of St. John of Deliathar. He says, Love me, O Lord, although I am unworthy. Nabuna Metta Maskeen says that's the most powerful prayer any of us can pray. To say, love me, O Lord, although I am unworthy. What is it exactly that God desires when we say that He desires us? When you say that He needs us? What is it exactly about us that He desires? It's not because we're all righteous. It's not because we're all talented. No, He desires us. Because we are created in His image and His likeness. Because we reflect Him. Because we have a heart that's intended to imitate Him and He desires that heart. 
When we say God desires us, we're saying He desires our heart. He desires our life. He desires our soul. In Proverbs 23-26, the scriptures tell us, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. My son, give me your heart. That's what I desire. I saw this little picture a while ago. This little boy holding up a broken heart. And in the caption it says, It ain't much, but it's all I have. And then there's a caption at the very top as if God is responding. He says, It's all I ever wanted. It's a beautiful concept to think that all God wants is our heart. Okay, now, what does that practically mean to say that God desires our heart? It means that God's not so much interested with the things that we have to offer, but our whole life. He desires us personally. He desires to have a relationship with us. Practically speaking, He desires our thoughts, our attention, our talents, our resources, our gifts, the gifts that He gave us. He desires our time. And even that concept when we say, I want to give God a little more time. You're not giving God anything. It's not even my time to give. What do you mean I'm giving God my time? (laughs) It's His time that I am borrowing and merely returning. And that applies to every single thing in my life. Every resource, every talent, every ability. Every penny in my bank account. All of that is a loan from God. He desires our will. Just as St. Mary responded in this passage, let it be to me according to your will. He desires our submission, our surrender. Nothing is deeper than that. To say, God, I just want what you want from me. I want to want what you want from me. Even though I don't necessarily desire it, I want to desire it. I want to desire your will. Refine me. Direct my will. Shape my desires so that all I desire is you and you alone. God desires our whole heart, not just a part of it. He desires every part of us, our whole being. And if we can't offer our whole heart, let's at least offer our honesty. Remember in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who went to the disciples and said, here's all the money we have from this plot of land that we sold. And you might think that they suffered this harsh consequence because they only offered a part of what they sold. That wasn't the problem. Problem is that they went to the disciples with dishonesty. They were hypocritical, pretending like they're giving all they have, but in reality, they had so much more to give. So let's just start with that honesty. You say, Lord God, this is all I have. This is all I can give. Sure, I can't give you all of my time, but I want to at least give you five minutes. That's all I'm able to offer now. And I hope that you work in my heart to increase my desire for you, to give you more and more and more. Right? But we have to start with an honest heart. If our heart is not in the right place, 
if we're not starting with that spirit of honesty, how can we give our whole life to God? Think of the talents and the abilities that you have. Some of us are very compassionate. God is saying, I gave you that so you can offer it to the world. So that you can be a shoulder for people to lean on. So you can be a source of hope and comfort. So you can give people rest. So you can embody my love. That's why I formed you in this way. Maybe you're creative. You have this talent of creativity. God gave you that, not just for your own selfish gain, but maybe to propose new ideas to help the church, to help the community. God gave you that talent for the glory of His kingdom. Maybe you're smart. You're very well educated. Okay, God didn't give you that just so that you can advance your own career. But so that maybe you can educate others in the faith. Maybe you can teach. Maybe you can counsel others. Maybe that's a gift that can glorify God. Let's say you're one of those extremely organized people. You might say, okay, there's no real utility there in service. No, God gave you that so maybe you can help organize the church, help organize the community, help in more managerial tasks. That right there is such a beautiful gift that we can offer God. Let's say you're eloquent. You, know, you have a way of articulating your words. Okay? That's not for you to just argue with people about politics and socioeconomics or whatever. But maybe it's an opportunity to preach, to talk about God's love, to share His light. Because God gave us these talents just like a lamp that we don't put under a lampstand. Let's say you're musical. You have this talent that allows you to sing and to compose music. It's funny, you're going to laugh at this, but I always thought about how amazing it would be for Backstreet Boys or NSYNC if they were just a group of deacons. <laughs> Can you imagine like the, the amount of spiritual songs that they would compose and how beautiful it would sound? Right? Imagine if we used all of our abilities and our talents to glorify God. Right? That we would give Him our artistic ability. Right? Our church needs our, all our young creative youth to write spiritual poems, to write songs, to write spiritual hymns, to paint, to draw, to express that beauty and that creativity in a spiritual way for the glory of God. That's why God gave us these talents and these abilities. God needs even the smallest bit of talent or ability that you have. Just yesterday as we're getting organized for this Christmas fair, we were putting together all of the books for the book stand. We're going to have a little station for the book stands. And a couple of little girls, about like eight or nine years old, were with me in the office and they wanted to help. So I needed to put some stickers on the books to price them. So they came and told me, Abuna, I know how to write very well. I thought, perfect. I need someone to write the numbers on these stickers so I can put them in the back of the books. And he stayed for over an hour. 
writing numbers. This book, $15. This book, $10. This book, $17. And they had the time of their life. They're, they just walked away from the office jumping for joy. They gave God the ability to just write a couple of numbers. Right? When God gives us a certain talent or a certain ability, and we offer it back to God, in truth, we are receiving a hundred times more than we give Him. And if you think that you might not have certain talents or abilities, maybe you don't have any of these fancy gifts, God still desires your presence. He desires your time. Whenever we were remodeling the church, we had our very first liturgy, and this church didn't even have carpet two days before that liturgy was scheduled. It was a huge mess. We had a shipment of all of these pews. Came in on a late Thursday night at like 8 or 9 in the evening. And I'm like, how are we going to get all of these pews in the church? We just barely got the carpet in and the liturgies in two days. So I just called a few of the youth. And by God's grace, we had like 20 young men unloading these pews and they weigh like a ton they're like 20 feet long and some of them were like broken and some of them were bent and you know they came in and people the very next day who had some sort of abilities with carpentry or just like handymen were in here with drills and adding like a little bit of height to the legs that were uneven and we still need a little bit of work right now but the point is the fact that Everybody came together and just used their strength to unload all of these pews in the middle of the night. Whenever other people had so much to do, I called one person and said, Abuna, yeah, I have like an appointment, but I can move it. Yeah, Abuna, I, I have uh, a little bit of homework to do, but I can push it to later today. Abuna, I have uh, another meeting, but I can actually do it tomorrow. Everybody just came and just started using the strength that God gave them. That right there is what it means to give God our heart in practical ways. Like Mother Teresa says, allow God to use you without what? I say this a million times. Allow God to use you without consulting you. If that was the heart of our church, I can't imagine what God would do with every single one of us. If we were just like clay in His hands to God, to say, God, take my talent, take my abilities, take my time, use me without consulting me, in any way, anyhow. Use me without consulting me. Leave you with a beautiful story when Mother Teresa encountered a rich man from Holland. He came to her, and he says, I have lots of money. Like he just wanted to donate all of this money. <laughs> and then she goes to say, he was shocked to hear me say, I don't need your money. <laughs> I don't need your money. And he just looked at me. He expected me to become all excited and start listing the places where we need money for this and that. Then, he said, but I want to do something. Then, of course, I gave him the address of our sisters in Tanzania, where people are starving. And when I gave him that address... You could see the joy in his face. 
First, there had been surprise and then joy. We need to show the people that it's not their money that's important, but the giving. It's not about our materialistic possessions, although that's a way of expressing our heart. Right? But underneath, at the very core, it's giving God our time, giving God our heart. And that man came and said to me, I have a big house in Holland. Do you want me to give that up? I said, no. So, do you want me to live in that house? I said, yes. Okay, I have a big car. Do you want me to give that up instead? I said, no. But what I want you to do is to go back and see some of the many lonely people that live in Holland. Then, every now and then, I want you to bring a few of them at a time and entertain them. Bring them into that big car of yours and let them enjoy a few hours in your beautiful house. Then, your big house will become a center of love, full of light, full of joy, full of life. He smiled and said that he'd be so happy to bring the people to his home. But still, he wanted to give up something in his life. So I suggested that when you go to the store to buy a new suit or some clothes, or when someone goes to buy for you, instead of buying the best that would cost $55, buy one for $50 and use that extra money to buy something for someone else. Or, better still, for the poor. When I finished saying this, he really looked amazed and exclaimed, Oh, is that the way, mother? I never thought of it. When he finally left, he looked so happy and full of joy at the thought of helping our sisters. And he was already planning to send things as soon as he reached Holland. May God give us this heart of love. Once we recognize his desire for us, his need for us, his thirst for us. We can't help but reciprocate that. May God fill our hearts with his love and his joy. Unto him is due all glory forever. Amen.